Hey friends, welcome to Conversations with Kenzie, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Kenzie Brenna. No topic goes unturned here. We talk about everything with everyone. We like to get raw and sometimes we get heavy and sometimes we swear. So I'm warning you now. Also, we are working remotely. So audio quality between host and guest may differ. Lastly, check out our show notes for giveaways, fun promotions, or discounts to our favorite stuff. Enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, Jess. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing good too. Today is an okay day for quarantine life. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We have like different standards for what makes a good day now, but. Right. Yeah. I feel as if like I've gotten a little bit more into the groove and that I have been able to finally have you know, like a quarantine routine. And I feel like that's given me more of a sense of stability, but not my favorite, not my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. Uh, But uh, I will say, I feel like I'm so starved for routine in my normal life that I'm kind of like thriving in this um, situation and trying to make the best of it. So it's kind of nice to get into routine and I leaves me wondering what it's going to be like when I have to say goodbye to that but we'll see oh yeah well speaking of the fact that you know you are so distant from routine why don't you tell us a little bit of your background and a little bit of your story and why you're not necessarily the routine type right okay um I never really know how far to go back with with where I started, but um, we'll just start with, basically, I used to be a lawyer, not for very long, only about two years, um, and I was pretty unhappy with that experience. Um, I had gone to law school thinking I was going to be an environmental lawyer and save the world and blah, 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 and... And then I ended up, you know, of course, graduating during part of the recession and getting a job at a firm representing construction companies in insurance litigation. But anyway, I ended up getting laid off from that job with pretty much everyone else in the firm. And it just opened up this opportunity for me to take a big step back and allow myself to kind of reconnect with what I'm truly interested in, which was the outdoors, being outside, not being at a desk inside an office. Um, But I had never really let my brain even go in that direction while I was practicing law because it was just, you know, so much time and energy and money goes into taking a life path like that, that once you've started it, you, you kind of feel... Like, you can't go back, you can't start over, you can't go in a different direction. So um, getting laid off was really a blessing in disguise for me. It allowed me to um, take that step back without the huge sense of guilt that I would have otherwise maybe had to struggle more with. So instead of just applying for another job as a lawyer at a different firm, I started spending more time outside, taking hikes, 
kind of delaying the process of re-entering like mainstream life and in the process I thought like man I'm doing all these awesome hikes around Seattle that's where I live um and I want a way to keep track of what I'm doing but I don't want to share it on Facebook because all my friends are on Facebook and I don't want them to see that I'm just like having this quarter life midlife crisis situation right now so I started an Instagram account because I knew no one on Instagram and I didn't know how it worked or have any intentions for it other than basically keeping like a hiking journal for myself people started following the rest is kind of history basically I developed a following and that enabled me to eventually transition into travel photography and travel blogging and writing full-time and that is why I do not normally have a regular routine because I'm more often than not on the road yeah and I think that I feel as if there are so many setbacks in life that actually become things that push us forward into the life that we actually want to live and that so many things that seem like they and they are like you know really devastating when they happen like i'm sure getting laid off was not the best thing in the world at the time like it feels so scary like so so scary and i think that it also pushes us to reflect and to ask ourselves like what do i really want to be doing and what you really wanted to be doing was like hiking and exploring and all those things and you were doing that in your pastime and I always think that that's so interesting, like when you strip away sort of this like capitalistic, like productive, like being good in society uh, roles that we have, you know, like having a job that is just paying us a certain amount of money so we can get the certain house that we want. So that way we can get the certain car that we want. So that way we can get the social status that we want. I feel as if when you strip all of that away, you start getting to the essential part of the human being. And obviously yours was like traveling and exploring and sharing your adventures and journeys online. And I just think that that's so cool and good for you for like doing the plunge. And for those of you who don't know Jess and don't know Jess's page, she has some of the most like the most beautiful travel photos I've ever seen in my life. I feel so inspired. Seriously, I feel so inspired when I go to your page and I know that they take so much. They they must take so much time to shoot and edit and put up there and stuff. But your work is really, really, really beautiful. So I'm curious if you ever struggled with like any type of like travel anxiety or anything like that, because I know that for a lot of people who are listening, they definitely 100 percent have travel anxiety and like either have some anxiety with like getting on the plane or train, getting to the hotel or where the place that they're staying, like like feeling confident that like everything's like booked, ready, done, like good to go. Have you ever like gone through any of that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> ironically, I there's still not a trip that I take that I don't get anxious or kind of nervous about beforehand. And it's not the flying, although I do, you know, like I do, if there's turbulence or something, I get all white. I'm like that girl with the white knuckled grip on her seat. But um, for me, all the nervousness is before the trip. But once I'm there, 
I'm generally okay because then kind of like life just takes over and you're living more in the moment and you don't have that extra time to like sit around and think about all the what ifs and the unknowns. Um, so me, I've learned at this point because I've traveled so much just to try to quiet that nervousness beforehand and not focus on it so much and know that once I'm there, it's it's going to all work out. And if it doesn't work out, it's going to make for an even better story. <laughs> that's such a good way to look at it, like turning your messes into something that's almost like majestic. Like I try to do that, too, when I'm trying to create content at home where I'll have you know, this idea in my head that I want to capture and then I go to do it and I'm like, this is not working out. But when as soon as I'm in the middle of the editing process, I'm like, okay, well, you're this far. What can you do with like what you have? And then I try to go from there, like getting creative with the mess kind of thing and then having it be a better story in the end than what the original product was going to be. Yeah, completely. I think like stories where everything goes according to plan end up being boring and no one wants to hear those stories. I think, um, I mean, people do want to hear them to, you know, make themselves feel like, okay, yes, everything is not going to go terribly wrong every time I go travel. But at the same time, I think being a creative and wanting to tell interesting stories, you kind of learn that that's the silver lining to things just going wrong, getting lost getting robbed whatever happens to happen like at the end of the day that's a fun story to take as long as you know obviously in the end you're safe and fine Which, that's yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> staying safe for sure yeah. yeah I love that getting lost and having things go wrong and I think that for those of people who do struggle with anxiety those are the worst nightmares you know like dealing yeah. with that uncertainty and being in the thick of it and I've been traveling at certain points where, you know, we've been lost or there's like, you know, I don't like a torrential downpour. I remember this one time when I was in Hawaii with my friends and I was driving. There was literally a rainstorm where we were driving through like four feet of water oh and I was like not OK. I was just not OK. But I knew that there was no way out. Like the only thing that we could do was drive out of it. Like we couldn't we didn't just want to sit in the rain. We were like. Okay, there's on on the other side of this, there's no thunderstorm. So just keep driving and drive slow. But in the moments, it's like th that's what you really like where you really find yourself and where you really find like your strength and your resilience. So I'm curious of one of your travel stories when you mentioned getting robbed. I'm curious, has that ever happened to you while traveling? Yeah, I mean, it's it's happened a few times, actually. And luckily, I was never physically threatened or anything like that. So at the end of the day, it was, you know, just stuff and money that went missing, which obviously can lead to all sorts of annoyances when you're in a strange place and have to figure things out without money or IDs. Um, one time... <laughs> I was in Mexico on a bus going from Cancun down to Tulum, and this was a long time ago, but I had read all these stories, you know, about people having their bags stolen out of the undercarriage of the buses and whatnot, so I thought I was being super careful, I put my bag between my feet, so I was like, oh, there's this is like on my body, no one's going to be able to get into this thing. 
And then, of course, when we arrived at the destination, I picked up my bag and the entire backside of it had been sliced open and everything, my ID, my wallet, my money, my camera, like everything had somehow been taken out of it. And of course, I felt ridiculous. Like, how could this have been between my feet and this had happened and me not notice? And then I remembered, like, halfway through the ride, there'd been this big scuffle on the bus. And then the bus driver had, like, kicked a bunch of people off the bus. And in hindsight, it was clear that that was all kind of a ruse and that this was probably a typical type, like, scam that went on on these buses where they'd, like, stage a distraction, essentially. So you're not paying attention. And that's that's when it goes down and they slice oh the bag gosh. open. And still yeah. Cause I remember like trying in my broken Spanish to ask the bus driver about it when we got there, like, is there a way to like, and he, you know, it was kind of clear he had maybe known that something was going mm -hmm. on. I was just kind of like, hmm. um, so yeah, just things like that. And I had a similar thing happen on a bus in Costa Rica actually, where again it was like these people like fell on top of us and then what you know like as a distraction and then it grabbed our luggage from up above we had it like in the up above part and and got off the bus so anyway just lots of little stories like that but again we were never like physically in danger which to me is kind of like a really important distinction mm, yeah absolutely I feel yeah. as if like if you it could really deter someone and be really traumatizing um, as a travel experience to go through something like that, like where you are physically threatened and where you're cornered into giving something up that's yours I, and potentially physically harmed. And it's like, no, that's that's not yeah. on anyone's travel list to do. Like getting lost and having adventure is different than, you know, being incredibly in an incredibly unsafe situation and i think that in those moments you just have to prepare yourself in certain countries that may have like warnings that people will do that in touristy spots or on certain like buses and stuff like do the best that you can to just you know make sure to have like your goods on you make sure to not have anything valuable like jewelry or phones like out in the open and stuff yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing about that when I traveled Europe and I was like, I don't think that that stuff will happen. And then I slowly realized that that stuff definitely does happen. And I yes. started to become like more and more um, like blending in with the walls. Like I was like, I don't I want to be like so boring looking like I don't want to look like cool or fun or anything. <laughs> I want yeah, to look totally. as boring as possible. You don't want to be drawing attention to yourself. And I always remind people, like, yes, I do have these stories. Um, but even in countries, I'm, I get a lot of messages from people when I go somewhere like Mexico that has, at least in the U.S., we've kind of perpetuated this negative, it's a dangerous place to go um, stereotype of some countries. So I'll get messages with people asking me like, is it safe to go there? And I always think it's really important to remember like, yes, I have the occasional story of something getting stolen, but I have so many more stories of kind, generous, helpful people and interactions and experiences in all those countries. So 
and those experiences always far outweigh anything negative. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point to make that there is definitely, you know, unsafe situations that people can get themselves into definitely unsafe situations that people can get themselves into or yeah. or just get into but that the majority of travel experiences are really positive they are really safe when you're of course going to a country that doesn't have like a travel warning on it because obviously there are countries that have travel warnings yeah. on them and whatnot and so just taking precautions and being safe in 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 general what is one of the best and but also like maybe most like wild experiences that you had where you're like oh my god this is like maybe it's like an activity that you've done while traveling where you've gone hiking somewhere that's like really scary or really intense where you're like I know that technically I'm safe right now but this is also holy crap I can't believe I'm doing this oh man <laughs> I've gotten myself into a number of sticky situations especially doing outdoor stuff but Maybe, I guess it was last summer, I was in Switzerland with my partner Quinn and there was this ridge, I guess you would call it a scramble, I don't even know, hike is not the right word, but um, that he really, really wanted to do. And I am actually, I do not love heights at all. So I was kind of hesitant, um, but he had seen this somewhere on the internet and he'd actually reached out to the guy in the video that he saw. And the guy said, I go, yeah, you come to Switzerland. I could show you that ridge. I'll take you on it. I've done it a million times. <laughs> but so this was kind of a combo of like two fears of mine now, like meeting strangers on the internet in remote destinations <laughs> to go on some like sketchy ridge adventure. <laughs> um, but we did it. And as we were up there, I definitely was just like, I cannot believe this is happening. I mean, hundreds of feet drop on either side. But yeah, it worked out. The guy got us to cross. He had brought, you know, the appropriate like helmets and um, ropes and all the safety stuff that we needed. So it was fine. And it was a really important step for me um, just learning to trust not only other people, but equipment, like trusting equipment has been a big issue of mine and pushing myself to be better about repelling and climbing and skills like that, that require kind of like a hundred percent trust in your harness and ropes and things that for whatever reason, I just like inherently struggle with putting my faith that they're going to hold me if I fall. So yeah, definitely. Trusting the like the travel guides or like even just something like the pilot or the bus driver, like just yeah. trusting those people who are who are supposed to be in charge can be so difficult for those who are really uptight and like really, really, really anxious about stuff going wrong. And just to like put it into perspective, because I have seen this video, this ridge is insane. It looks <laughs> like you guys are like walking and climbing and like holding on for dear life on like what is like so thin it looks like it's like as thin as a piece of paper and it's like these rocks like this like very thin mountain and you're at the top and you're like straddling both sides and I remember seeing the video being like no the answer is no would never don't need do not need to elevate my heart rate like that like 
no, it's not happening. And I just felt like you guys are so brave to do something like that. And also, I think that you're right. It just like really does just test out your faith, test out your limits of what you can do. And I'm sure that afterwards it was kind of like the feeling of, oh, my God, I did it. I did it. And then you just get that rush of like relaxation where you're like, I don't have to do that ever again. And it's over. Yeah, no, there's a total euphoria afterwards. And I mean, it kind of just goes back to the beginning too, where we were talking about, I mean, nothing went wrong in this case, but it's still just such a fun memory and experience to think about and take home with you. So any of those experiences I've had where at first I was just like, no way, (laughs) we're not going to do this. And then we do it. I'm always, I've never regretted it. So Mm. Yeah. What's your favorite city that you have explored? Oh, that's a tough one. I do not spend a lot of time in cities, to be completely honest. But I do actually enjoy when when we do. It's just that um, for what the type of photographs that we take, we don't generally get to spend a lot of time in cities. But I love New York. I've actually, I guess I've been twice And it's one of those places where, you know, you get off the plane and then you take the train or whatnot into the city and and you climb out of the subway and you immediately feel like you're in a movie. And I love that feeling. Like it lived up to everything I'd built up in my head from movies and TV shows that it would be. And it was that, which, you know, places don't always live up to your expectations. Um, so yeah. it was pretty wild. Just the the towering buildings and all the people and the hustle and bustle. Mm. I really liked it. Yeah, that sounds so beautiful. And I know that you definitely do spend way more time, you know, in the country, definitely way more in the mountains, in the forest. And I was talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about our favorite just our, our, our the idea of like our favorite house and whatnot. And I still don't know like where in the world I want to live, where I would love to grow old or anything like that. But I was like, I would love to be deep, deep in a forest, <laughs> like in, in a forest, like in a hill, like in a hobbit house. And I would just but I would still want my Wi-Fi and my dogs and my smart food. Like I still want the conveniences of, you know, my my city life. But I at the same time, I really do want that isolation, you know, the and how alluring that is. Like whenever we I mean, it's like very Canadian and I'm sure for people who live in Seattle as well to go to like a cabin or a cottage during the summertime like it's very common for people here to do that and whenever I go I always feel so light like I love being out in out in nature like I love connecting to that I love being away from my phone and my computer and having time away from like internet connection and sometimes access to like running water and stuff I'm like yes give me an outhouse and give me a beautiful forest and I'm good like I'll do this, you know, and there's something about nature that just brings us back to ourselves. Would you say that you have that feeling when you're in nature where you feel like a part of it or something like, and, you know, I'm not spiritual, but, and I don't want to get too new agey about this, but there is just something that is so 
wonderful about being in the middle of a forest or touching the ocean or being on top of a mountain that you just don't necessarily get in cities at least I don't no yeah I it's funny I completely agree with you about all of that and I'm even the same that I don't want to get all new agey or like hippy dippy on this but um no I feel that connection to nature powerfully and it has such a calming um force over me and I'll I actually remember like I've always been into the outdoors but it wasn't till I was a junior in university and I went to study abroad in Australia up in northern Queensland in the middle of the rainforest and there were only like it was a weird program it was um there were only like 24 of us and we lived in these little huts in the middle of the rainforest like an hour's drive from the nearest tiny little town that was basically just a pub and like a grocery store um but I remember so cool yeah it was amazing and I remember like after the three-hour drive to get there from um the Cam's airport just pulling up, getting out of the van, looking over this vast rainforest where I was going to be living for the next three months. And this calm just like washed over me. And for the first time ever in a place other than my actual home, I felt like this deep sense of being home. And that was when I kind of knew, despite the paths my life later took for, or detours, I should say, at this point for a while, like, I knew right then that I had to find a way to spend at least part of my life in the outdoors, reconnecting with that sense of home to be happy and, like, feel complete. So, yes, I know the, the yeah. feeling you're talking about. Yeah, it's this like ineffable feeling of just this connection to something greater than you. And I know that that sounds new agey and I know that sounds hippie <laughs> and I'm not spiritual and I'm not religious. And so people can just take that as us just being connected to the earth. You know, I mean, yeah. I get the same feeling when I look at the stars and I always think about this when I'm in the city and I, you know, go at, like I was I just moved into a new apartment and when I was apartment hunting and going and seeing like condos and apartments and the price of a condo would go up if you had a really great view. And if you think about that, what are you looking at? Like you're looking at landscape or you're looking at parks or you're looking at you're overlooking a lake in the city. Like in Toronto's um, Toronto has like a giant is like on a giant lake, basically. And so what so condo prices will go up to have a view of the lake and it's like that's a view of nature like people will pay extra to just be able to look at it you know and i think that that just makes it so much more serious and more clear that we do have this connection to the outside world that we maybe we don't tap into that much and actually there's a lot of really interesting research called uh, in eco psychology where people are actually doing like psychotherapeutic sessions with people out in the woods and it's like yeah that yeah and that stuff makes sense you know like people have this like wondrous connection to nature and they'll pay thousands of dollars a year to go leave their city to go experience nature in another country somewhere else and it's like that's all telling us something and actually uh when i was on my instagram stories a few months ago, I asked everyone if money wasn't an option for you anymore. Like, let's say you just had universal basic income, like you're good. You don't have to worry about a mortgage. You don't have to worry about car payments. Don't get into the details about it. But let's just say like 
money was not an option for you anymore, what would you do for the rest of your life? And I swear to God, Jess, 99% of people said that they would travel and open up some type of animal sanctuary. Like those were the two top things, travel and animals. And I was like, guys, this is an essential part of, of being human. And so it's really cool that, you know, people like you can post up about your experiences online, post these beautiful photos and actually like jumpstart that thought in people's head to go and explore the world, to go and do something with their time that they have here. Like, look at how beautiful this one spot is. And I just, I think that like, that's why like I love travel porn. Like I'll live in my head forever (laughs) when it comes to beautiful, like really, really, really beautiful travel photos. Yeah, I think there's something just innately inspiring about the natural world and seeing how beautiful it is. And then on top of that, knowing that we are part of it. So. Yes, exactly. And something that you mentioned on, you did a Q and a on um, your Instagram stories a little while ago. And something that whenever I get into my head, like I'll start telling myself like this, like travel fantasy in my head where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go and like find this like lake that is like, you know, like a tuck everlasting lake where like no one has ever touched before. And I'm going to go and I'm going to be the first one there and like, nope, not going to be any other people. I'm going to get this beautiful shot. I'm going to be in like a bathing suit. I'm going to be in like hiking shorts and whatnot. And soon and I and I'm better at this now, but soon the narrative in my head is like, okay, well, you're not thin and travel photos usually have to do with like thin white people traveling and you mentioned somebody asked you this on your stories and you had such a good response to it and it made me feel so seen and heard in your community and somebody asked you like how do you stay fit while traveling and you're like I don't really worry about that and I was like thank you for not saying like well I do 10 jumping jacks when I wake up and then I do burpees and then I try to do like a yoga flow and it's like you talked about being naturally thin and having, you know, like that thin privilege that just comes with like any like like a ton of body types. And that's saying like that's not necessarily something that should be on someone's mind while traveling. And I'm just curious to hear you talk a little bit about that. And I really appreciated your message with that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess just to I did do that Q&A and I got quite a few questions about my you know, like, how do I stay in shape while I'm traveling? Or what's my workout routine? So uh, I talked about a lot. But the first thing I wanted to just clarify was that I don't, first of all, have any sort of workout routine. Um, And also just take the time to acknowledge that I am naturally thin and that there's a difference between being healthy and fit and being thin and because we all have our own healthy body shape and size, so to just see that I'm thin and assume that I'm fit, I think is a huge fallacy and error that a lot of people make. But also on top of that, just when I'm traveling, it's not really a priority. I want to stay healthy so that I can be out there on hikes and do the things that I love I'm not going to wake up at 4 a.m. so I can fit a workout in before a sunrise to shoot or something like that because I think it would really take away from 
for me, it would take away from the experience of being present in that beautiful place and enjoying it um, for what it is. So I want to make sure that I can get to those places, but I don't want to be so stressed about what I'm eating. And if I did my 10 jumping jacks that day or ran my yeah. 5k or whatever it happens to be that that mindset is overshadowing actually enjoying the place that I am um, and being able to experience it so I definitely yeah don't yeah I don't make workouts or any sort of dieting or crazy restrictions on what I eat a priority, especially when I'm traveling, because it's just mm -hmm. not the focus. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's not supposed to be, you know, your body and its size aren't supposed to be the problem while traveling. Like it's it's just about going out and experiencing the surroundings. And I do think, though, that people's body insecurities can actually take them away from enjoying a really beautiful moment. I know that so often, you know, specifically women may go on vacation and instead of just enjoying the ocean and like looking up at the sky and seeing how beautiful the ocean and the sky is, they're more worried about what their body looks like in a photo. And I think that that mostly takes away from that connection that we were talking about, you know, that deep connection to, wow, this moment is inexplicable and this ocean is inexplicable, like all of that stuff. And so it's good to have those types of conversations, I think, publicly to let people know that like, yeah, health, I mean, you know, we want to nourish our bodies and do the things that we got to do in order to get ourselves up and out for the day. It's not the concern though, like, especially when you're traveling and walking and hiking, it's like, that is exercise, guys. Like that is that's a movement. That's like, yeah. you know, you're going out and doing the thing. You don't necessarily have to be doing crunches before going on your walk. And I know that that gives people also a peace of mind because they so heavily attach their worth to their body and the way that their body looks where it's like, I think that there's a little bit more to travel than just worrying about how you look in a scene. Like it's it's like the setting is there for you to experience regardless if you're fat regardless if you're thin it doesn't matter and i felt that the first time that i went on top of a mountain it was in austria and i was there and i've had body image struggles before and i've had trouble with thinking like i don't know if i can travel because i want to lose weight first which is so silly and absurd but i was on top of the mountain and i was like oh my god the mountain doesn't need me to be smaller like it's huge you know and like the ocean doesn't yeah. need you to be smaller and like the desert doesn't need you to be smaller. It just needs you to watch it and be a part of it ultimately. And so I thought it was a really good answer that you gave on your page. Thanks. Yeah. And I mean, I think I would be lying if I said, I mean, even having the privilege of being naturally thin that I don't get insecure. I think whenever whenever you're putting photos out there, it's easy to get into your head about it. Um, and it's helped me a lot to, I guess, just realize that whoever you are and whatever you look like, everyone has their insecurities and their things that they deal with and that we're paying so much more attention to ourselves than, we're, <laughs> than anyone else is. 
And so I yeah. constantly telling myself that, that like the things that I obsess over are just about me more than anyone else. So everyone else is focused on whatever their insecurities are. They're not paying attention to like my profile that I don't like or whatever. So mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, and it's, interesting too because whenever you hear about travel experiences it's never like well I'm really glad I went because I got a really good photo of me on the beach like the, that's no. never like the one story that people are telling <laughs> they're like well we just really nailed this shot which I'm sure you know maybe that has come up in your world because of like work and stuff and I'm not discrediting that work but it's more or less like when you're talking about like a travel story like how was the general trip it's never like well, I'm really glad I went because I just got pictures of myself on the beach it's like oh my gosh, you know, we were in the sun all day and we went hiking and we were in the jungle or we saw this like really cool thing or we were with animals or we tried this really great food. Like it's all about the experience of it instead of the way that you look. And so I love that we're both yeah. on the same page with that. Yeah. And even when it is because of my job, like, yes, we got the shot like that. Everything worked out well. It's never once been like, yes, we got the shot where you look really good <laughs> or something. Right. It's like, <laughs> you look thin enough here. Look at those yeah. clouds or like that sunset was epic or something mm. like that. It's never like the photo worked out because of how I looked. I'm like so inconsequential in the big scheme of things. Yeah, so, that's a really yeah. great point. A lot of people don't know that you live in a van. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I don't actually live in the van full time, but I will go on trips for like months at a time in the van, which belongs to my partner Quinn. And it's just been such an awesome way to travel for so many reasons. But most of all, I think my favorite thing about it has just been like, you get into your head, especially when you're someone like me, who growing up, I always felt like I had to travel like these far off exotic locations to experience something beautiful. But just the nature of the van is that you're doing more local traveling for the most part around wherever the van happens to be based. And so it's taught me that there are just stunningly beautiful places to experience everywhere from an hour away to home, from home to like a couple years ago, we did a road trip across the U.S. from San Diego to Florida and kind of back again. And being from Seattle, we have like a very strong West Coast bias here that like everything we're seeing in the U.S. is in the Pacific Northwest and maybe like California too. <laughs> like that's extreme. It's not actually like that. But there is like an underlying bit of a bias um and so we're traveling like through these countries I mean states that I never thought I would travel to I never had any reason to and I was just blown away not only by the natural beauty and all the adventures and amazing things that we did but the people as well it was such a good experience for me I mean just to open my eyes about my own country to be like man Maybe the divide is not quite as extreme as it feels like in the media once you're like actually out there interacting with people. 
you know, face to face and interacting with landscapes and places, it just made a huge difference in my whole because I was experiencing a lot of anxiety about, I don't want to get too political, but just like the sense of division, not just in the world, but like in the US in general, I don't know what it's like up in Canada. But yeah, so it was a really, really important trip for me. Yeah, definitely. I can honestly only imagine that there would be some areas in the states where it would seem like, okay, I know that I'm in a red state and I know that there are going to be conservatives here or uh, what is it? Uh, Republicans. Um, And if you are a Democrat, then maybe I'm going to find out that I'm going to be in conflict with a lot of people here immediately. And then I think that what happens is you find out that things are a lot more nuanced and that if people do differ from you politically, maybe it's not as heated as the media makes it seem to be because the media also likes things that are like really dramatic and that capture a lot of attention. And a lot of life isn't about that. Like a lot of life happens without a lot of attention and without a lot of, you know, dramatics to it. And so I think that people are a little bit more chill than what the media tells us for sure. And in Canada, the more north you get, it's kind of like maybe it's like the more south that you get in the States, like the more north that you get, the more conservative that it happens to be. And definitely in the middle of Canada, it's a little bit more conservative. But I've met a lot of people while traveling, especially I preferably I, I like staying in hostels and you meet a lot of very interesting people in hostels. And yeah. I've met a lot of surprisingly conservative people. And while I have had interesting conversations, I also just try to talk about my travels. Like I'm not interested in getting into political conflicts in the like at the beginning or middle or end of my trip. I'm like and also for safety reasons, too. Like I'm not interested. Like politics aren't necessarily on my mind for safety reasons. But so you live in this van which is so interesting, but like, what's like one of the worst things about living in a van? Because I can imagine like being cramped up, having a tiny toilet, like all of those things must let be like, I got to get a room at some point that's not on wheels. Yeah, totally. So as, as much as it's awesome and there's so many benefits, a few of the kind of downsides of living in the van, at least for me is I am pretty introverted so I need to have some space at times or I just kind of like start shutting down not in an extreme way but I'm I just get even more quiet than usual or just exhausted and tired so that can be really tricky when you're living in such a in such tight quarters with one other person and you're kind of like their sole companion and source of entertainment um, so that can definitely be an issue, Try, just trying to figure out like how I can find the space to recharge so that I can be a good companion, essentially. <laughs> and then, yeah, of course, there's like the, there's just related but different, like there's no privacy. So that's kind of an issue with the bathroom and showers and whatnot, but all that stuff. And that's the stuff people always think is going to be the biggest issue and it actually hasn't been that hard to it's just like when you're on a normal road trip like you find a gas station with a toilet or a restaurant or whatever the van does have a toilet actually but again it's, 
the privacy issues and and same with showers like there's campgrounds and truck stops and then occasionally yeah I'll just get a hotel room because I want to shower and charge a million things at once and sleep in a bed <laughs> so yeah for sure oh my gosh absolutely and like I can rough it for a while. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll go in the woods. Like, no problem. I'll go to the washroom in the woods for sure. Like, I'll let, like, I'm not scared of a little snake or a little bug. Like, no problem. And then I say that. And then, like, in the moment comes and I'm like dying for a porcelain seat. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I need to go, like you said, to like a gas station or a convenience store or whatever it is and yeah. use their facilities respectfully and appropriately because this right. is not okay. And this is the thing is that like when I say that, you know, I love nature and that I would love to live in nature, I'm like, yeah, with modern day technology, like I'm about the, that nature life with like a plumbing system is a beautiful thing, like yeah. a beautiful thing. And that's so important to know about yourself too. I, Cause I always want everyone to develop like a healthy relationship with nature and appreciation for it. Cause I think that connection is so important, but so many people like their first experience in nature, they just go all in and then it turns them off and I, I always worry about that stuff. I'm like, start little and work your way up if you want to. And it's okay if like your version of nature is glamping. Like if that's where you find that sense of being in nature and that happiness, that's awesome. You don't have to hike a hundred miles into the wilderness and have absolutely no amenities. Like know yourself and know your best way to make that connection. That is such a good point. Like knowing your boundaries. And we've talked about boundaries on previous podcasts, but it definitely also is in relation to travel. Like I I know for me personally, like what I need regarding like my toiletries and what what I need regarding like comfort clothes and stuff. Like I know what to pack now because I didn't pack it at some point during a trip and thinking, okay, remember this for next time because you really like being cozy at night. So I have to always have like a big sweater. I don't know. Like that's just such a little example, but you're right. Like, get to know yourself a little bit. Like, don't go all out in the woods. Like, don't Christopher McCandless it and like walk up to <laughs> yeah. Alaska with nothing, yeah. live in an abandoned bus and like be eating berries for three months. Like, don't do that. But like rent yeah. a cabin or a cottage somewhere new. And it's all about like knowing yourself and like getting out of your comfort zone, but then also bringing your comforts with you. So that way you can continue to adapt. So I really, I love that you tell people to go slow. I think that's really important. Yeah, and it does totally relate to travel. I mean, for the longest time, I felt anxious about traveling and I learned that I just don't like traveling alone. And I feel bad about that. I get a lot of messages, people asking me, especially other females, like, what's it like um, traveling solo as a female? Is it safe? And I've come to the point where I'm just honest about it. And I say, I know a lot of females that are comfortable traveling alone and it's a great experience for them, but I've just learned for myself, I prefer to travel with at least one other person. And that has eliminated a lot of the anxiety of traveling for me. And I've come to peace with that, that like maybe I'm not as this independent person that I wanted to be, but I also think knowing myself is more important than like proving some point so that's amazing and so well put and i think that there is that 
almost like that idea that we have in our heads that we have to be super independent all the time and that we have to like be able to like do things on our own. And while I think in certain moments it's great to test out our independence and our freedom and stuff, but we are built to be social animals. Like we come from chimpanzees and like you don't see a chimp like chilling by itself with like it's, you know, without its family around it. Like we are social creatures. And I think it makes sense to also want that while traveling. I can't tell you how many times that I've traveled on my own. And there are moments that I love it, but moments where I'm in the hostel alone and like maybe not too many people have booked the hostel. So there isn't anyone staying in my dorm or staying on my floor or whatever it is. And then the moments that I had that day, I don't have anyone to share them with. And so I've had to tell myself I've written actually in a travel diary that I'm like, okay, tonight I'm sharing this with you journal. And I'm like, you know, like this is what I experienced today. And these are the cool things. And I don't have anyone to tell this about. And I'll tell myself, I'm like, okay, like you do like traveling with people or you do really like connecting with people. I'm curious, do you have a travel journal by any chance? It is something I'm trying to get better about. I, I don't have a travel journal per se. So, but I do have the photos, which helps a lot. And then captions. I know that sounds super lame, but I do use my captions as sort of a travel journal at time just to remember what I was feeling or doing. But it was a major resolution that I set for myself this year because I'm always wishing, especially now that I'm getting more into the travel blogging, that I could go back and have my thoughts on like every day of a trip. So I'm trying to set aside like 10 minutes at the end or beginning of every day to start doing that. Um, Because it's a big regret of mine that I don't have more detailed kind of notes on a lot of my trips. Yeah, definitely. It's 100% one of my regrets too. Like even though that I do it, even though that I absolutely do bring a little journal with me and that I journal in small bits I always look back and want to do it more I always want to like profess like my deepest feelings in there and that I wish that I talked more about how the blankets felt how the room felt how the room smelled like I want to know I want to be able to relive it again and so I wish that I captured more of it so I'll hold you to it and you can hold me to it and we can hold each other perfect (laughs) um so so I want to I want to have this last little chat about eco-anxiety. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what eco-anxiety is, it refers to a fear of environmental damage or ecological disaster. And so this is like an anxiety that is largely based on the current and predicted future state of the environment and human-induced climate change. And something that's become so clear to me when I've been traveling is the fact that sometimes I feel like this can all be gone in the next 50 years, in the next 30 years, whatever the projections are, in the next two years. Like, I don't even know at this point. And so for me, when I'm traveling, like, I do feel this, like, sense of urgency and this sense of anxiousness that I'm like, wow, what if I can't travel in five or 10 years to these places because they're gone, because they're turned into cities, because you know, we can't travel even as much because of the carbon emissions in the air. Do you ever get any of that anxiousness when you travel? Definitely. Um, I get it on a number of levels. I get it 
on that level of a lot of times I get to go to amazing places for job assignments and while I'm there I'm like overwhelmed with the feeling that I wish I was could share it with my family or my parents or loved ones and yes then I'm kind of washed with this strange realization that I might never get to not for logistical reasons but that it might just not be the same but then I also I think more of my anxiety lies just in that I'm in this weird space where I make a living traveling but by doing so I'm also having an impact obviously through primarily flying but not just flying, I mean, that that goes towards the emissions issue, but even just drawing attention to locations and whatnot is a balance that I am constantly struggling with, whether a place should be shared, um, because, you know, by sharing it, I'm hopefully drawing attention to it as a destination that should be protected and respected. And the more people that experience a destination, I think, you need that experience to build the type of connection that would motivate you to stand up for a place and protect it in the future. We're, as humans, not very likely to protect things that we don't have connections with, unfortunately. That's a hard step for us to take. Um, yeah, But at the same sure. time, yeah, I want to try and avoid the detrimental effects of over-tourism while still wanting to help support local economies. Like there's just so many elements to it, mm. good and bad. So trying to find that balance is definitely a struggle. And I don't know that I'll ever have the perfect answer because it is kind of a moving target, I think. But as long as that's I'm a good way to put it. And it, I don't think that you have yeah. to have. Yeah. I don't think that you have to have a perfect answer when it comes to that because there is there, there can't be a perfect answer like there can't be a right answer like we've made almost like every avenue that you can take has somehow in a way like indirectly harmed someone else like I think about this when it comes to eating and veganism and and like local eating and all that stuff and I'm like if you eat vegan then you also are eating like let's say you eat a bunch of strawberries it's like those strawberries were picked by migrant workers that get that are underpaid like you know yeah. like there's no perfect or right thing there's just like how do we do less wrong and how do we continue to live by our values and continue to just ultimately talk about stuff and read information about what we're doing and how we're making an impact so it definitely sounds like you know, you're aware and you're trying to deal with this like very delicate and almost like impossible balance of making sure that you're supporting local communities and, you know, sm like even like you know, smaller countries with like smaller economies and trying to bring tourism out there while also knowing like and doing that in order to get people out here, they do have to fly on a plane or they do have yeah. to have some type of carbon emissions that aren't ideal as well. So I definitely can empathize with that for sure yeah and I think it just it all kind of goes towards that saying like don't let perfect be the enemy of good so um uh, damn that's a good saying yeah I like that one it's it's something I have to remind myself a lot because I think we feel so much pressure to be perfect that if we can't be perfect then sometimes we just give up altogether 
but it's so much better to just focus on the little things that you can do to try to make a difference and be the best you can be without getting so caught up with whether it's perfect because there's really no such thing. Mm, yeah, really, really, really great point. Jess, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your little nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I love following you oh, online and I think me. you just have such great yeah, you have such great energy and your photos are so beautiful. They do inspire me. They do make me want to travel. They make me want to become a better traveler. All of the things. Where can people find you online? Um, probably the two best places to find me online is either Instagram at Jess.Wandering or um, my website and blog is JessWandering.com. Amazing. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. All right, friends, you made it to the end of the episode. You know what to do now. Head over to our Instagram account, Conversations with Kenzie, and let us know what you loved about the episode. Or let us know what you didn't love. What questions did we miss? What questions could we have asked differently? Let us know there. As always, stay curious, keep asking questions, and keep making conversations in your everyday life. Until next time. <laughs>